0: Thank you um, for your word. We thank you for the truth and how it changes lives, how it's changed our lives. And Lord, um, as Kurti brings your message um, today, Lord, we pray that you'll give him clarity of mind and thought, um, and Lord, that your word will um, uh, sink deep into our hearts, will challenge us and stir us, um, that we may be changed through it, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Kurti. Good morning. Our reading this morning comes from Mark chapter two, and it's verses one to 12. Mark chapter two, verses one to 12. I'll be reading from the NIV translation. It's an account on how Jesus healed the paralyzed man. A few days later, when Jesus again entered Capernaum, The people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door. And he preached the word to them. Some men came, bringing to him a paralytic, carried by four of them. Since they could not get him to Jesus because of the crowd, they made an opening in the roof above Jesus, and after digging through it, lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, Son, your sins are forgiven. Now, some teachers of the law were sitting there, thinking to themselves, Why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately, Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sons are forgiven, or to say, get up, take your mat, and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. He said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, And go home. He got up, took his mat, and walked out in full view of them all. This amazed everyone, and they praised God, saying, We have never seen anything like this. So Jesus had been preaching in the surrounding areas, all around Lake Galilee, and he'd been healing people, preaching the word. And he returns to Capernaum, which was then his home base. He no longer lived in Nazareth. Capernaum was his home base. And the people there see and hear that Jesus has returned and the crowd gathers. And as we read there when Jesus again entered in Capernaum, the people heard that he had come home. So many gathered that there was no room left, not even outside the door and he preached the word to them. Now, obviously, they had heard about his teaching and the miracles he'd been performing and how he taught. It says in Mark chapter 1, he taught as one who had authority, not as the teachers of the law. Jesus cast out evil spirits. He healed leprosy and other miracles. And so you can imagine what excitement He's come home, he's come to town. How amazing, what a buzz, and no wonder a crowd gathered. Now in that crowd, as is usually the case, there would have been those who were genuinely interested in Jesus. There would be mere passers-by attracted by the crowd. You know, rubbernecking, what's happening? Let's go and see. There'd be those who doubted what they had heard about Jesus and the miracles. There might have been a few who just wanted to be there, the in place to be, to be seen by others. And there were those who were opposers, who were anti-Jesus. Anyway, they crammed into the house and overflowed outside the door and around the house. And Jesus preached the word to them. We're not told exactly what Jesus preached about on this occasion. But earlier in Mark chapter one, we told that Jesus had gone around Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. And as this was all happening, some friends arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. You can imagine, one at each corner. Some men came bringing to him a paralytic carried by the four of them. Soon they could not get to Jesus because of the crowd. They made an opening in the roof above Jesus and digging through it lowered the mat the paralysed man was lying on. And so they arrived to find the way to Jesus blocked. The crowd's in the way, no access. Did they give up? No, they persevered. And as we say, they made a plan to get the paralyzed man to Jesus. In those days in Israel, houses were built of stone and mud. And they had flat roofs. And they were built of mud mixed with grass or straw, obviously poles across. And there were outside stairs going up the outside of the house to have access to the roof area. And they used the roof as a a living area. And so their friends carried the paralysed man up the stairs onto the roof and made a hole in the roof to let the paralysed man down into the house where Jesus was. They dug a hole in the roof. Now just imagine that. There are all the people sitting downstairs. It's all earnest. They've been spoken to by Jesus. They've been preached to by Jesus. And dust and dirt comes falling down on the crowded people inside, getting in their eyes and up their noses. And it would have been a big hole. It would have been a big hole to get somebody down there like that. So they let him down on the mat. And how did Jesus respond? Did Jesus ask them, hey, what do you think you're doing up there? Wrecking the house like this? Or say, you're out of line, get out and wait until I'm finished here. No, he didn't. When Jesus saw their faith, he said to the paralytic, son, your sins are forgiven. Jesus saw their faith, breaking up the roof and letting the paralyzed man down in front of Jesus showed the men believed Jesus could heal him. But Jesus didn't just see these actions, the proof of their faith, this outward evidence. Jesus saw their faith itself, the faith in Jesus himself. Now you and I, we cannot see another's faith, but we can see the fruit or the actions arising from the person's faith. What a person does because of their faith. And sometimes we think that somebody has no faith. But only Jesus, God, can see whether he or she has true faith in Jesus. Do you have faith? Maybe it's only a very little bit of faith. Jesus sees your faith. He's the son of God. Believe that he's able to save you from sin and save you from the eternal consequences of sin. Notice also how Jesus responded with kindness to the paralyzed man. Son, your sins are forgiven. With tenderness and compassion, he addresses him as son and he deals with the sin in his life. Your sins are forgiven. Jesus did not begin by healing his paralysis, by curing his paralysis. Instead, Jesus dealt with sin, which is far worse than the paralysis or anything else. Now you may have many troubles Sickness in the family, or you might even be sick yourself. Money troubles, perhaps. No employment. A failing business. Or broken relationships. Troubles are many, the kinds of them. But as bad as these things are, they are small when compared with the major problem of sin. You see, sin is anything We have done wrong in God's eyes, and we have all done something wrong. God is holy, perfect, and his standard for us is that we must also be holy, perfect, without any sin. Now, when we sin, people get hurt and suffer in some way or another. You see, there's a victim, but actually, we sin against God. You will know, many of you will know the uh, account of King David and how he committed adultery with Bathsheba. And then he arranged her husband's death by getting his army commander to put him, the husband that is, in the hottest, most dangerous part of the battle so that he had like a 100% chance of not making it. And he died. But eventually King David acknowledged that, that he had sinned. And he cried out to God. It's in Psalm 51, if you want to read it later. Have mercy on me, O God, because of your unfailing love, because of your great compassion, blot out the stain of my sins. Wash me clean from my guilt. Purify me from my sin. For I recognize my rebellion. It haunts me day and night against you. You alone have I sinned. I have done what is evil in your sight. You will be proved right in what you say, and your judgment against me is just. Our sin separates us from God, who is a holy, perfect God, and it results in God's judgment. And because we are guilty, God is a good and fair judge. There must be justice. And we must pay the penalty for our sin. And the penalty for sin is death, eternal separation from God and punishment in a place called hell. Sin is by far our biggest problem and it must be dealt with first. And so Jesus began with your sins are forgiven. Why don't you even now pray Jesus, forgive me. You might even have had something come to mind that you need to ask forgiveness for. Forgiveness of sin only comes through Jesus Christ and nobody else. Notice that Jesus said, your sins are forgiven. He didn't say they will be forgiven or first do this and do that and then I will forgive you. When Jesus forgives he forgives completely. Now, when we first realize what great sinners we are, it's, it's very grim and depressing, and it can be a frightening realization. But what deep joy in our heart when we hear, son or daughter, your sins are forgiven. We come now to the teachers of the law, those who opposed Jesus, who were anti-Jesus. Verses six to eight. Now some teachers of the law were sitting there thinking to themselves, why does this fellow talk like that? He's blaspheming. Who can forgive sins but God alone? Immediately Jesus knew in his spirit that this was what they were thinking in their hearts. And he said to them, why are you thinking these things? Jesus could read their minds and thoughts. And Jesus noted their contempt of him. Why does this fellow talk like that? They refer to Jesus as a fellow or this man. Jesus knew the condition of their hearts. And the Lord God knows the condition of all of our hearts. In the Matthew 9 version of the same events, it says, Jesus, knowing their thoughts, Jesus said, Why do you entertain evil thoughts in your hearts? And Jesus noted the accusation of blasphemy, because see, Jesus said, Son, your sins are forgiven. To the Jewish leaders, this was blasphemous because it meant Jesus was claiming to do something which only God can do. In effect, Jesus was saying that he was God. He was claiming that he could forgive the sins. Your sins are forgiven. But ah, only God can do that. Who do you think you are? And according to the law, the punishment for this sin of blasphemy was stoning to death. You know, the religious leaders were right in a sense. They were right in their thinking that only God can forgive sin. Nothing wrong with their doctrine there. They were also right in understanding that Jesus was claiming to be able to do what only God can do. But their judgment of Jesus was wrong. Jesus was not blasphemous because his claim was actually true. It was correct. Jesus is God. And we sang that earlier this morning. Jesus is God and he proved his claim by healing the paralyzed man right there in front of everybody for all to see. What is your judgment of Jesus? Is it perhaps a wrong judgment? Do you hold an incorrect view of Jesus? Maybe like some people, you think, oh, well, he was a good man who lived long ago, taught some good things. Jesus asked them, which is easier to say to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven? Or to say, get up your mat and walk. But that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sin, he said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat and go home. He got up, took his mat and walked out in full view of them all. And this amazed everyone and they praised God saying, we have never seen anything like this. The religious leaders were disputing Jesus' power to pardon and forgive sin. So Jesus gave practical proof that he could forgive sin. And he has a question to you guys. You young guys, what is easier to say, your sins are forgiven, or get up, take your mat, and walk? What is easier? It is easier to say your sins are forgiven. Anybody can say your sins are forgiven. I can say it. You can say it. Some priest or other can listen to a person's confession and then say it and grant him absolution. But how would you know that person is really forgiven? We cannot see whether the sins are forgiven or not. It is another matter to say, get up and walk to a paralyzed man. Anybody could say it, but what if they don't get up and walk? You see, there's visible evidence involved. It is easy to see if it happens or not. To forgive sins is a miracle, something God does. To heal the paralyzed man is a miracle. It is something which God does. Jesus in effect says to them, I will prove to you that I am divine, that I am God, and that therefore I have the power to forgive sins. I will prove it by doing the difficult thing, a miracle which you will see, obvious to all, which you will not be able to dispute. And so Jesus said to the paralytic, I tell you, get up, take your mat, and go home. He got up. Took his mat and walked out in full view of everybody, living, walking proof. Hallelujah. Praise God. Jesus is God. Jesus has power to forgive sin. Jesus healed the paralysed man. And in his own words, it was so that you may know that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Jesus referred to himself as the Son of Man. This emphasis that Jesus was God in human form and also refer, emphasizes that Jesus was God in human form and also refers back to the Old Testament prophet Daniel who lived from 605 BC to 536. That was the time he was a prophet. So in Daniel seven thirteen to 14, it says, In my vision at night I looked, and there before me was God. One like a son of man. Coming with the clouds of heaven. He approached the ancient of days and was led into his presence. He was given authority, glory, and sovereign power. All peoples, nations, and men of every language worshipped him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion that will not pass away. And his kingdom is one that will never be destroyed. Son of man. That's who Jesus claimed to be and also proved himself to be. And forgiveness of sins was a sign that the Messiah, the Anointed One, had come. Now we've considered the various actors, the people in this dramatic healing of the paralyzed man. The crowd, the friends, the teachers of the law, and then Jesus himself. And so what group would you fall under? That you would be part of? Are you part of the crowd? Just a passerby attracted by the gathering? A doubter as far as Jesus is concerned? Somebody who is anti-Jesus Jesus, an opposer? Or maybe a little interested? or have a wait and see attitude. Or maybe a genuine seeker after the truth. Are you part of the friends who showed love and concern to their paralyzed friend, who showed perseverance and made a plan to get him to Jesus in spite of the obstacles? Jesus could see their faith. Christian brothers and sisters, do we do these things for our family and friends? Do we take them to Jesus? Do we show them Jesus? In spite of obstacles, our Lord tells us to. Does the Lord see our faith in action? Or are you part of the teachers of the law, full of contempt for Jesus, anti-Jesus, opposing him, having a heart of jealousy, hatred, lust, greed, anger, bitterness? As Jesus said, entertaining evil thoughts in your mind. Perhaps just thinking, Jesus is just a good man who lived long ago. Now, here's the thing whatever group you are part of, all of us, all of us need forgiveness of sin because we have all sinned. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. The leading actor in the dramatic healing of the paralyzed man was, of course, Jesus. We've seen how Jesus knows our every thought, how Jesus knows the condition of our heart, how Jesus can see faith in a person no matter how small it may be. We've seen Jesus' kindness and compassion, and we've seen Jesus forgive sin. And Jesus proved that he was God on earth, that he has power to heal, that he has power to forgive sins. And so why did Jesus come to earth? Now if you haven't been paying attention to what I've been telling you now I urge you listen now and listen carefully it is short but it has utmost consequences in your life why did Jesus come to earth? Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, a miraculous birth, a supernatural birth. He grew up. He showed people how to live. He taught like nobody else did who has ever done before. He healed. He did many miracles. He healed the sick. He controlled the storms. He cast out demons. He made dead people come alive. And he healed the paralyzed man that we've been considering today. And then he was crucified and died a cruel death on the cross. And then on the third day after his death, he came alive again. He was resurrected from the dead. Further proof that he was God and that he did what he said he would do. Many people saw him at different times and in different places. And the Bible tells us Jesus came to save people from their sins. But why do people need saving? You might find people ask, are you saved? Are you saved? And you think, ah, saved from what? Why do people need saving? And how did Jesus do it, you may ask? Well, all of us have sinned. We have all done something wrong in God's eyes. And people sin in so many different ways, whether it's stealing, cheating, cheating, lying, doing something immoral, breaking God's rules for living, his Ten Commandments, hating, fighting, envying, using God's name as a swear word, using it in vain, worshipping idols. And idols is, is anything that is not God. It's not just some carving or statue or whatever. Anything that is put as number one in your life other than God. Rebelling against God, breaking his rules for how we should live. All sin, all sin offends God. And early on, we saw how sin is against God. And God is a perfect God, holy, and will have nothing to do with it and will eventually judge and punish all sin. That is why sinners go to hell. It is because of their sin. It's not because of a mean God. God is not mean. It is because of their sin, and we deserve to be punished. And the punishment, the penalty for sin, is death. As it says in the Bible, the wages of sin is death. It is also why we need saving from sin and its consequences. It is why we all need a saviour. And the amazing thing is that God is a loving God. He's a merciful God and doesn't want us to perish. He doesn't want us to go to hell. But at the same time, he is a just, a fair God. And so sin must be punished. So God sent his son Jesus to earth to die for all of us sinners, to take the punishment we deserve on our behalf, to die for our sin, to save us from the power and penalty of sin. When Jesus was crucified, he died for our sin, not for his, because he never sinned. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son That whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. God says that whoever repents, turns away from the sin and stops doing it, whoever repents and believes in Jesus Christ will be saved, will be forgiven, will have eternal life and live forever with God in heaven. Jesus is the Saviour. There is no one else. Jesus is the savior. Salvation comes through faith in Jesus Christ and no other way. It is a gift from God. It cannot be bought by us. Elon Musk, all his money, he cannot buy it. It cannot be earned by us in any way. No amount of good works will buy it for us. It is a gift from God. This is the good news. It is good news. It is the gospel. Now, when you're faced with the good news about Jesus, about why he was born on earth and what he came to do, you have a decision to make. Do you say, oh, nah, no thanks to God's gift of Jesus, forgiveness of sins and eternal life? That is, you reject it and you remain in your sins and its consequences. And by the way, this is the default option. Or do you accept God's gift by repenting, turning away from the sin, stopping it, and believing in Jesus Christ, putting your faith in Jesus Christ? And then you experience the joy of knowing, Son, Daughter, your sins are forgiven. I urge you, don't wait. Don't delay. Decide now. Decide now. It is the most important decision you make in your life. It is a decision which determines whether your sins are forgiven or not. It is a decision which determines whether you have peace with God. It is a decision which determines whether you perish or have eternal life. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for the wonderful mercy, the amazing grace, and the salvation that comes through Jesus Christ, your Son, the one and only Saviour, Oh Lord, we pray that if there's anybody here who has not yet believed in you, we pray, oh Lord, that they will come to a saving knowledge of Jesus so they might experience the joy, the comfort of knowing that their sins are forgiven and they are reconciled to the one and only God. Amen. Now, there's quite a lot in all of that. So if any of you have any questions that you would like to ask feel free to come afterwards and have a chat with me I'll be available to anybody no matter how long it takes uh, also you could chat to the elders your elders right here if you have put your faith in Jesus Christ tell somebody tell your family tell your friend Tell the elders or the pastor here. They would love to know so that they can help help you to take the next steps and rejoice with you. Amen. Amen.